fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves here with your week five fantasy football recap. Your risers, your fallers, your injuries, and of course, your waiver wire. What most of you need to do to act upon what we just saw. Don't move on to week six without recapping all of these season-long risers and fallers. You know your boy has you covered. I'm going to rip through all of these. Of course, answering any questions you guys have there live. And of course, also in the comments if you're catching the replay. Either way, thanks so much for tuning in. I am pumped to be here with you on this Monday night to recap a wild week five. And you have to start, as you can see, injuries. Not usually where I start the uh, the recap show, but this week it just felt like, I mean, there's nothing bigger, right, than Dak Prescott. And, and tragic, devastating injury. Um, prayers out to him. Of course, the fantasy implications are far less of a greater concern than him, his physical, his mental well-being after such, you know, on the one-year franchise tag, playing at a historic pace, on, on pace for the most yards in NFL history, the most fantasy points of any quarterback through the first four weeks, and then tragically, you know, gut-wrenching injury. Just disgusting to see that ankle. So any fan, you know, regardless of where you're from, your heart has to go up for Dak, your prayers have to go up, um, and it's terrible to see. Of course, you're watching this for the fantasy repercussions. What do we do from here? And, and you know, Andy Dalton, if there's ever a backup plan, he's one of the better ones in the league. He's averaged right around 270 air yards through the last, you know, 10 seasons, his whole career, rather. Um, so ultimately, he knows how to sling it. He can get the ball down the field. And, you know, Kellen Moore's already come out and said, we are going to remain aggressive. We're not going to change our attack because of the quarterback. So that one has you, not excited, but just, there's a little bit of a lifeboat here for your Cowboys. I'd say they all take about 75%, you know, of what they're doing is what you can kind of expect moving forward. Maybe a 25% hit from what they're done. You know, Amari Cooper, the number one PPR receiver, he dumps down to probably like my my seven to eight guy from here on out. CD Lamb, maybe this favors him because Andy, you know, at this point, Andy Dalton doesn't have that arm strength, doesn't have that gunslinging mentality necessarily of Dak. But he can distribute it. He can get it out accurately. A guy like C.D. Lamb, maybe that benefits. Um, all, you know, Gallup was the one that ended up having the, the the nicest connection with him. If you look at the just pure stats from the game, they all saw three targets: Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb. Gallup led the way with three receptions, sixty-five yards. Cooper two catches, twenty-three, and then C.D. Lamb two catches for twenty-one. Those being under Dalton, who went nine for eleven, one hundred and eleven yards. I wouldn't read too much in that. You know, both of Gallup's receptions came one after the other. It was clear like a, a matchup mismatch they had identified towards the end of the game. We'll see how it goes uh, in the future weeks. But ultimately, I expect them to get just a little bit more run heavy. Maybe this, it doesn't necessarily favor Zeke. Everybody, you know, all the ships sink a little bit without Dak. Again, playing at a historic level. But ultimately, if anyone's going to see, you know, just a flat line, 
I would imagine it's Zeke because I think we see the Russian quantity go up and he's already seeing a huge workload, but I think we see that go up a little bit, even if the quality kind of goes down a little bit with that because of less scoring opportunities, what have you. But ultimately I, I, this is as good of a backup situation as you could ask for as Cowboys fans, as, as fantasy owners of the uh, other parties here. So I'm not overly concerned. I'm not freaking out about uh, my Amari Cooper, CD lamb, and um, and Gallup, I already you already should be freaking out because he's such a distant third from them. Dalton Schultz sees no targets. Maybe you can start to panic there because he's so touchdown dependent. Um, ultimately, the touchdowns aren't going to be quite there. What do we make of Dalton himself? We'll talk about him again in the waiver wires. But man, when you got these type of weapons, these type of game scripts, it's not like the defense is suddenly going to become this amazing defense. So they're going to be playing from behind often. They've already said again, Kellen Moore, we're going to remain aggressive. I think Dalton, when you give him these type of weapons, can get you, you know, 15, 18 fantasy points most weeks, some splash weeks in the 20s. If you lost Dak and you had no backup plan and there's nobody else out there, or if you're in a two-quarterback league and you really need a desperation number two here, definitely worth your 10, 15, depending on your desperation levels, 20% of your favorite, uh, your fab if you need a quarterback real bad in light of losing Dak or any other, um, if you really need a desperation villain for your number two. Those are the implications, in my opinion. Let me know what you guys think of this offense without Dak. Of course, prayers up again, most importantly, to a speedy recovery, uh, to you know, hopefully mental clarity throughout all of it. Because um, again, heart goes out to the guy having a, a great year. Now, if you're live and you don't mind shooting this a like, uh, even a share in a Facebook group or something of that nature, it would be greatly appreciated to help us get discovered. But either way, thanks so much again for those of you tuned in live. Let's keep going with the injuries because another one, big one from this weekend, Dalvin Cook gets a groin injury. It's kind of unclear what his timetable is, but we did see Alexander Madison completely thrive in relief. Uh, ultimately, the, the MRI came back today and Zimmer says, ah, yeah, we're optimistic. Maybe we'll get him out to this week. Nothing clear. And, and he it, you know, he could have had a guy's leg cop chopped off and be like, yeah, this guy's going to play this week. That's kind of Zimmer's like old man, you know, hard-nosed mentality. Uh, everybody's always going to be playing, right? So I, I think you know, with the bye looming next week, right, I, I really expect at least one game of rest. Then you give him the bye. A groin injury typically is about two Maybe, you know, if just a small strain two weeks, if it's something greater, obviously could linger even further. It seems like this isn't overly serious. He did come back into the game at one point, uh, came immediately out after that play. So it was clear he couldn't. And, you know, watching Dr. Jesse Morse, a great uh, Twitter fantasy football doctor, talking about how you you really can't move your leg too powerfully without your groin uh, at full shape. So I imagine we get a rest. And what better time for Madison owners coming against Atlanta we saw Mike Davis put up, you know, 28 to 30 on this team. So if you own Madison, you're going to get yourself a perfect streaming opportunity. That's my best guess. Of course, I'm not a doctor, but my guess is we get two weeks here with the bye week looming next week. Uh, and you get one kind of stream from Madison here. Maybe we see him get worked in a little bit more. I mean, on his 22 touches, he had over 120 yards, looked a little more explosive than he did last year, um, gets 112 of them on the ground and then 10 through the uh, Dalvin Cook was cooking. Don't get me wrong. Dalvin's ridiculous. But ultimately, Madison could step in, give you low-end RB1 numbers. Then in a matchup against the, the Falcons, you could even depend on maybe high-end numbers. I expect uh, the 20 carries he saw this weekend, you can pencil him down for 20, 25 or so in, in future spot starts. And if he's out there in your waiver wire, Madison about you know 70% out there right now. 
I mean, if you need running back help, you got to blow your load to go get this guy. Cause I do think he might carve out a little bit of a season long, like one, a one B situations. If the team's smart, they're not going to keep feeding cook and let him wither there uh, and get hurt again. So I think Madison could carve out some standalone value in addition to, of course, being the best handcuff in the game. And we're going to see why come this weekend. That's zone blocking. Oh, good Lord. Madison, a hundred yards this week. You can pencil them down and pen them down in Sharpie for another hundred in a TD against Atlanta. Moving on from injuries. We got Sammy Watkins expected to miss a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. Of course, that means Hardman stock is rising. Uh, Watkins was knocked out. He really limped off. Didn't look good. And again, they've tweeted out since then that they expect it to be at least a couple weeks uh, since then. So, so we got Nicole Hardman, you know, two catches, 50 yards. Doesn't do a whole ton against the Raiders, but he always, you look even at his stats last year, you know, he was only with AJ Brown, Tyree Kill, like the most explosive of athletes in terms of touchdowns over 40 plus yards. And he had less than half the targets of that group. So if he gets on the field, this guy can make things happen and he could be in some lineups, especially during bye week crunches as a, a huge upside wide receiver three that you're nervous to see on the other side of you uh, because he didn't just go for those 70 yard touchdowns out of nowhere. So definitely intrigued to see what does Hardman do in this absence. He's another guy off the waiver wire. As we talked about Dalton, um, Alex Madison, and now McCole Hardman, probably the top three options off the waiver wire other than a guy we're going to talk about quickly in a second. Um, but AJ Green, one other injury to just note of hamstring, but even worse, disinterested. The interception just kind of lollygagging, not even attempting to make a tackle on the, the sidelines saying, trade me. What a fucking loser. Uh, he, he's really worked his way up to like one of my most hated players uh, right alongside the Corey Davises of the world. I, I fucking hate AJ Green. What a loser mentality. Oh, I'm not in game shape. That's why I'm struggling. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not getting the right targets. Sees like more targets than anybody in the league. Oh, uh, I'm, you know, always a fucking stupid excuse. Shut up. It now trade me. Like, who the fuck wants you? What have you done? Who, who wants you on their team? So, AJ Green, if he's on your fantasy team, why? That is a bad, that's a poison for your fantasy locker room. Get rid of him. Nobody respects him on his own team. Nobody should respect him on the fantasy locker room. Get rid of AJ Green. He's a useless, useless tool bag. Done with him. DJ Chark. Uh, sad to see him limp off in the fourth quarter, but that just means your know, LaVisca Chenault now sees seven uh, hauls in seven of his eight targets, 79 yards. And if this lingers for DJ Chark, it seems like he's gotten dinged up a few times now. Chenault is coming into his own folks, 70 total yards in three of his last four games. This being the best receiving performance we've seen every single week, just ratcheted up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And we're seeing those skills after the catch contested balls. And, and we still haven't seen that role in the backfield truly explored. Jay Gruden coming out and saying, we need to get this guy more and more touches. That's on me. Uh, this guy's clearly dangerous every time he touches it. So, I expect his stock to continue rising. We'll see how long, if at all, DJ Chark is out here. But either way, Chenault has to be, again, we talked about the other three options, Hardman, um, Alexander Madison, and Andy Dalton. Chenault's right up there with those guys. But my favorite player off the waiver wire and another injury that kind of led to this explosion, Deontay Johnson, back injury, does not come back in, crushes owners yet again, um, misses nearly all of the week, and then Chase Claypool, folks. Not one, not two, not three, four touchdowns for Chase Claypool. 11, a whopping 11 targets, hauls in seven of them for 110 yards, three scores through the air, one on the ground. 
He is a freak, guys. This is nothing flukish about this. This is Martavis Bryant without any of the on-field issues. If any team has good faith in terms of identifying wide receivers and drafting guys, especially in the mid-rounds, it is totally this team. And, and Claypool came in. Is he a hybrid tight end? You, This guy is so big, but he's so fast. What the hell is he? Well, nobody uses those big, fast, long talents better than the Steelers, than Big Ben, airing it out and getting these guys their touches. And, man, Claypool looks like a complete monster. Just the phys- You just look at him, like the, the arms completely shredded. But you see the speed. You see the tackle breaking. Uh, this is going to be a mismatch nightmare for teams all season long. This was not a fluke, in my opinion. He's only 16% owned right now. Uh, he is my number one priority on the waiver wire. Kind of regardless, like, obviously, if you lost Dak and you have nobody, you got to go after Dalton and things like that. But still, uh, I mean, in Madison, if you lost Cook, but like uh, as somebody who could just win leagues this late in seasons that hasn't been picked up in most leagues, this is the guy. This is the guy that could just go completely nuclear, chase Claypool the rest of the season. Um, and I would be throwing, you know, 40%, 50, you know, whatever it takes. If I need that wide receiver three injection, that flex injection, whatever it takes, you go and get this guy. Claypool's a monster. Uh, as, as we're saying here, goes completely bonkers. The clear cut top waiver wire priority. In my opinion, let us know if you guys have waiver wire questions, we will get into all of them, of course, but now we are going to cover the risers of the week. And first off, Kareem Hunt. What we were looking, one of the biggest storylines coming into the week is what is his role without Nick Chubb? Do they give him the full workload? Is he going to be the every down guy? Or are they going to kind of keep it the timeshare we've seen all season? Well, that answered pretty quickly. Chubb sees 20 carries, 72 yards, hauls in another 31 on four targets through the air, receiving score. Not like a ridiculous, like Kamara-esque explosion, which he's fully capable of. Uh, but what was more important, 70% snaps. 23 touches on the field for all six of the goal line plays. Crucial there. Um, and ran a route on 23 of the 39 dropbacks. I mean, that is true bell cow usage. And in all honesty, it could have been even crazier. He had outtouched Dearness Johnson t- 17 to 2 through the first three quarters and then had like a little bit of cramping going on. They kind of were in pretty good shape at that point. And so it, it was headed towards a 95 to 5 split. Never mind uh, the fact that it ended up being 70-30, which already is nice if you own Kareem Hunt. So this guy, if you have him, till however long Chubb is out, you got yourself the every down back within one of the best offensive schemes, that zone blocking Stefanski Kubiak-esque scheme um, with one of the best lines, right now graded as the best line in football. Uh, Hunt is just going to dominate from here on out. He's got another tough game against Pittsburgh, and then the schedule for like four straight weeks is just Cream puff, cream puff, cream puff, cream puff. So it's going to be a absolute bonanza for this guy over these next five, six weeks. And congrats if you own him because um, he's going to carry owners right into the playoffs. It's a matter of what he does when Chubb's come back. But maybe he'll just do so well that that Chubb becomes the, the, the you know change of pace, as good as Chubb is. We'll see. But you have to be encouraged by Kareem Hunt's debut. Raheem Mostert comes right back and bam, right back into the role. 11 carries, 90 yards, uh, another three catches for 29. Didn't find the end zone, but it, it seemed like he had never missed time. Just hit the ground immediately running as soon as he was back. Uh, it Just chunk gain after chunk gain. The only real 49er on offense to do anything. 
Of course, you get your patented like blow up 37 yarder, just outrunning everybody. Uh, but he's just clear cut, the best runner, pure natural talent. Um, and in the meantime, Jarek McKinnon, you know, zero yard rush, one rush as compared to the 11 for Mostert. Uh, did not play a single of one of these, you know, early first, second down um, plays there. He was in for just four of possible 50 early down snaps. Was in on third downs, but didn't do anything with them. And it's coming from a guy who started McKinnon in three out of three leagues of my, my you know, hometown buddy stuff. Awful. Just awful. I, I'm not going to say cut him right away because early on when, when we had Mostert in, McKinnon was still getting the receiving work, still scoring touchdowns. But there is no way in any high hell that you could have McKinnon in your lineup moving forward. You have to wait this one out, see if he can kind of carve out some real meaningful, consistent. But that offense as a whole looked horrible. We'll talk about it in fallers um, outside of Mostert, who immediately just steps right back in. He's back to his status, uh, gets a nice bump up the rest of the season big board, which you can find at rotostreetjournal.com. I will publish tonight. Um, but Mostert looking like a you know high-end two, low-end one based off this first game, immediately stepping back to that early down workhorse role. And on the other side of the ball, speaking of emerging workhorses, Miles Gaskin. Right from the start, we get Jordan Howard healthy scratch. That's huge. Uh, Why is that huge? Because Jordan Howard was vulturing everything to start the season. You know, 16 carries for like 18 yards, but six touchdowns or something ridiculous for Jordan Howard. Well, he's healthy scratch. So is Matt, is Gaskin going to be the guy? Yes, he was. He got all the goal line work and he scores a touchdown on some of that too. So that was really what's missing with Gaskin. In fact, early on through the season, only him and Kamara were the two backs that had at least four catches in every game. So he already was kind of like that 60% in between the twenties, like doing almost everything. And now you add the goal line work on top of that. We're talking about like a, a high end RB two. Rest of season, which I, who again, Miles Gaskin never saw that coming out of complete left field, but it is what it is. He is the featured back and Chan Gailey system. Fred Jackson was on pace for over 2,200 total yards one year in the system. CJ Spiller went completely bananas, like the spread offense that then loves to pound it too. And Gaskin's that guy, and Gaskin's going to do some real damage uh, as that guy. So if, if his owner, you know, is not believing in him quite yet, or you can kind of like pretend like he's a toss into a deal because his name's Miles Gaskin and no one really knows the deal, then do what you can to get him. Because I'm telling you, he has already been a quality. Anyone who owns him knows quality RB2 so far this year. And that's only going upwards now that he has taken the goal line role from Jordan Howard. Assuming, of course, that continues. But this was the sign that it should. He was in on 42 of 57 total snaps, you know, nearly 70% of the work like this guy is, is the guy miles Gaskin um, and, and owners have to make sure you're valuing them the right way, or you got to throw it offers to try to get him at this point. We finally see this Panthers offense. What, a, what more than a date with the Atlanta Falcons to really spark your offense, but Teddy Bridgewater, you know, 20 points in the first half looked like he could have gone complete bananas. And then the Falcons just couldn't keep their end of the bargain and make a shootout for us. Uh, but, you know, 313 yards, two scores, highly efficient Teddy Bridgewater, looking fantastic, getting more and more comfortable by the week. Now it's back-to-back 20 fantasy point days. This is the guy we were predicting would blow up. Now, should we have gone to the extreme and say he outperforms Rodgers? No, but that shouldn't distract the fact that that things are starting to look right in our Bridgewater prediction. 
Joe Brady's spread the wealth offense is, is really clicking. Uh, they're getting the ball out and letting guys do their thing. And the guy that is getting out most, it, this is the biggest surprise. Everyone thought you know, perfect fit. DJ Moore, yak monster. Awesome. Totally bought it. And we saw why DJ Moore going, you know, 93 yards, a long score, 57 yard kind of catch and run. That's what this dude can do. And let's see this happen more often. But the bigger surprise is another 13 targets for Robbie Anderson, eight catches, 112. Like he is, I don't know how anybody is even arguing that it was not Robbie Anderson's job as the wide receiver one. The, the numbers before this week already showed that, you know, had 32 targets to like 20 something for more. Now that disparity is just that much further. And everybody was saying, you know, the Atlanta matchup is going to show us the real deal. Well, the, the, if you now have seen it, it's Robbie Anderson, folks. Robbie Anderson is the number one. He's being used so well. Deep ball, contested balls, even more so, though, the screens, the short intermediate stuff. Just an alpha, a target hog. How did we all miss this coming into the year? I, I regret it. Uh, Matt Rule, you should have seen that, that you know, past connection from Temple. Wish I had. Should have known Adam Gase just sucks talent. Anything that is good goes to shit under Adam Gase. Should have seen it. Didn't. But man, Robbie Anderson is a monster. Going to go down as, you know, alongside Gaskin, like these unsung heroes of 2020. Count Robbie Anderson as like the wide receiver of the unsung hero crew. We also see Daryl Henderson rebound two touchdowns. Is he back? Is he the guy? It's tough to know. Because honestly, he didn't do that great with his touches. You know, you 15 carries, 38 yards, not a dominant performance by any means. Less than three yards a carry, to be honest. But the work was there. Three catches for 30 yards. The touchdowns were there. The red zone usage was there. So everything seemed to be there, right? But Akers, six carries, 60 yards, first game back. Seems like he's always been the guy they've always wanted. Like, I would use this opportunity if I someone's trying to buy Hendo after this performance. I think this might be the best game we get from him the rest of the season. I think we're slowly going to see Akers eat away. At best, it's going to be a three-headed committee for, for Henderson. If there's ever going to be someone to truly emerge, I think it could be Akers. Maybe that's just the optimistic, hopeful owner in me. <laughs> Very well could be. But I would use this opportunity of this big you know return game from Henderson I would use it to sell if I could. No doubt about it. Jamison Crowder, somebody I wouldn't be selling right now. I can't believe I'm saying it, but but he is just low-end wide receiver one. Why even call it low-end the way this guy's performing? Every single time he's been on the field this year, he's cleared 100 yards. And this is like dating back to last year. He would 18 target games, 16 catches. Like the guy is the definition of a target hog. If there's one thing... Gase has done decently in his career. It's get a slot guy and pepper the shit out of him. We saw it with Jarvis Landry and the ridiculous stats, the catches he would rack up, the yak he would rack up, and and Crowder has become that guy for him in New York. I thought maybe it was a, a chemistry thing with Darnold and you know with Flacco in, you couldn't really trust Crowder the first time. No, Crowder's a beast. 116 yards and a TD, 10 targets, calls an eight of them. I mean. There's nothing else you need to see. He was only behind right now, Devontae Adams in fantasy points per game, 22 and a half. Crazy. Absolutely insane. And, and really none of it feels like a fluke. Like he's breaking tackles. He's getting open at will. And it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. Crowder's just putting up the stats. 
lock him into lineups. Never take him out rest of the season. And man, it's Todd Gurley. What's there to say about this guy at this point? Just absolutely abusing a soft schedule, sure. But he's looking pretty damn good. Let's like let's call a spade a spade here. Did he look a little sluggish to start the year? Yeah. Was he going to be like a touchdown or bust type of guy? Seemed it. But since then, you know, highest couple pro football focus graded weeks and back-to-back weeks. Get started with that 35-yard touchdown run. Uh, yes, the date came against the Carolina Panthers for 121 and a TD on 14 carries. But he continues to get soft matchup after soft matchup because that schedule, that division in particular, is kind of a joke. So Gurley, I think he gets another date with Carolina soon, and maybe that's when you look to sell. But he looks rejuvenated. The team is riding him. You know, Brian Hill seemed to be a thing. You know, Smith, nope, it's Gurley now. So if he's going to be an every down guy, he, he stayed in uh, even with them trailing. I I like Gurley quite a bit moving forward. I didn't think that was words I would ever say the rest of the season. It took me a little bit to warm up to him. And I sh- again, shouldn't overact to just a, a Carolina smashing because everybody smashes Carolina other than Kenyon fucking Drake. But he looks good. Gurley looks a lot better than he had in a while. Another big riser for me. The first, finally, the first the soft matchup for the Giants. Who steps up? Not, not Evan Ingram, not Golden Tate. Pretty much nobody other than Darius Slayton. 11 targets, eight catches, 129. Uh, they do, of course, figure out a way to blow the game. <laughs> Giants, per usual. He also Slayton did have a touchdown call back as well uh, because of offensive p- pass interference on the other side, Ratley or whoever the fuck loser it was. But it is very, very clear. If there's one alpha of this group, and there is one, and his name's Darius Slayton, no doubt about it. And I, I had a tweet way back in the summer about Jason Garrett and how there always tends to be one alpha. And who knew if a gr- one from this group would be because it was, you know, a Des Bryant or it was, you know, Terrell Owens for a while, right? But we also saw Miles Austin, you know, this kind of career nobody, have 1,200 yards and 10 TDs. I mean, Slayton could keep this going. His first soft matchup since week one, both times he hasn't been facing you know, elite defenses, he's gone for over 100. He's gone for nearly 30 points. So Slayton is the real deal, guys. There should be no doubt for anybody at this point. Last two risers here, Brandon Cooks. Uh, crazy day <laughs> cut by a lot of people, me included in my college league. And then goes on to see 12 targets hauls and eight of them for 161 in a score. Good Lord. 4,100 on DraftKings last week would have been quite the play, but is this just kind of like a flash in the pan? Brandon cooks and sell them all you can. Well, one thing that was interesting about this was without Bill O'Brien, there was way more play action and way more downfield throwing from Deshaun Watson. And that was when, you know, I was calling Brandon Cooks probably the biggest under-the-radar breakout wide receiver three before cutting him everywhere uh, because Deshaun Watson last year, number one in pro football focus, adjusted, adjusted deep completion, number two in deep yardage, number three touch. All the deep statistics for Deshaun Watson, check, 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 check. Beautiful stuff. And they just, for whatever reason, get all these speedy guys that just did not throw downfield under Bill O'Brien. It was like a, a fuller, let's pretend fuller's DeAndre Hopkins and dink it down the field. Bill O'Brien's gone. They attack deep on about 30% of the throws. They use play action on 29%, which Watson historically is great with play action. 
Uh, under O'Brien, that was 16%. So that's a, a significant, noteworthy jump there. And Watson clearly benefited from it. And clearly the receiver that benefited the most was Brandon Cooks, just screaming open downfield at will with that play action. And if this is a sign of things to come, then him and Fuller and, and Watson themselves. Now, again, we, let's preface this too, that it all came against the Jaguars team missing three of their best starters. A very bad defense already. So we can't go bananas over this. But if he was cut you know, out there again in over half your leagues, if an, an impatient owner like myself sent him out there, take a look. See if Brandon Cooks is lingering there. The last riser, in my opinion, feel free to make a note if I'm missing anybody here. But Miles Sanders kind of succeeds in a difficult matchup against the Steelers. Two touchdowns. We saw that game-changing speed on a 74-yarder. The downside is, otherwise, he did nothing, literally nothing, on his other carries. But that's the thing with him is all it takes is that one monster play. Also sees four targets, hauls in two of them, but – you know, every down snap, you know, th- that type of guy that just there's very few of these running backs at this point. And I think you're going to get those big plays more often than not. And when the schedule softens up, you might get multiple of them a week. So if you threw out your ballot lows last week for Miles Sanders, well done. If his owner is still a little scrambly, I-, I think this was the furthest thing from a fluke. We're finally starting to see this guy emerge. Uh, the line is definitely a concern, but still feeling a lot better about Miles Sanders after this week. Now, somebody that, you know, we're going to go to the fallers here. And somebody I, I got some questions about you. Well, now you're feeling better about this guy? <laughs> Kenyon? Nope. No, we'll go back to him too. Kenyon Drake. Oh, boy. Best best day of the year. So we can start there with the positives. Finds the end zone. 12 fantasy points. We should all have a fucking party for the guy, right? Oh, boy. Uh, despite the good performance, it... I am, if anything, more concerned because Chase Edmonds looked that much better all day. Had more fantasy points on you know half the touches. It's only a matter of time before Edmonds takes over. Um, he only got eight compared to, again, 18 touches for Drake and did more with his eight. And every single week, Edmonds continues to do more. And he's used more creatively. He's the one that they're using in the receiving game, as we've said. Um, Drake, 3.2 yards per touch. Without that goal line touchdown, I think we're all freaking out right now and potentially even cutting Drake. So I, I'm panicking. If this game saved a little bit of value that an owner will sell for him, yeah, anything, I, take whatever you'll give me, I will take. Thank you for the touchdown, Kenyon Drake. Maybe gave you some sort of value to sell because I, I feel worse. Not, I guess it's not worse than if you didn't score, but – I don't feel any better. It didn't say your day was looking like it was going to be yet another complete dud. Um, I'm selling wherever I can as fast as I can. Another first rounder. Is it time to worry about Clyde Clydesdale? Let's preface it by saying he had a receiving touchdown called back. So, so that was one, you know, this narrative might be a little bit different if he scores 17 points. Um, but instead, we get 10 carries, 40 yards, eight targets, 40 yards, and the receiving, you know, that's nice. So 80 total yards, three catches, 11 points. I like the usage within the best offense in the league. I don't understand why it amounts to literally zero touchdowns. They just get so cute with the little flicker passes and Mahomes rushing touchdowns. 
I was hoping by being in the best offense in the league, it meant just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Instead, it means we get way too cute in the red zone. We have Pat Mahomes. We're not going like, to take the ball out of his hand. And it's just not adding up for Hilaire. But whereas I'm trying to sell Drake as fast as I can, I would actually be buying Hilaire, uh, buying low. Now, granted, if you can't get it done against the Raiders, by far the most fantasy points to running backs, um, as particularly through the air, you can't do it against them. You're not going to blow up against them. I don't know that it's going to happen, guys. But there still should be some two, three like monster touchdown days awaiting him. Um, so I would be buying low still, even though he blew it in this matchup. This is as low as you're probably going to be able to get him for because he's still in on 60 to 70% of the snaps. He's still seeing 70% of the backfield work. I, I'm still into him. I'm not quitting. I will not quit him. He's 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 good. He still looks good. He's going to turn it around. I'm not overly concerned with him. Zach Ertz, though. I That is one I am concerned about. Oh, my good Lord. Nobody to contend with for competition, right? Nobody. And he has the back-to-back games. Four catches, nine yards. One catch, six yards. What? What? And Eagles fans writing into me and saying, this isn't a fluke. This guy's done. He looks bad. He looks slow. This isn't good, folks. He, he cannot get it done when he has literally, he's the only show in town other than Fulgham, who we'll talk about a little bit later. He's cooked. He's done. He plays 56 out of 59 snaps. And has one catch. He's had a murderer's row of defenses, but this is not a buy low. This is not, you know, Goddard will be back soon. In fact, if anything, this is like a, a Goddard rise because of how bad Ertz is. He's had every opportunity to be his old target hog self, and he's done nothing with it. Maybe a hate gut if you really, it's bad. It's really bad, as is. We're going to go through a few tight ends here. Evan Ingram, time to panic, time to cut. I know my, if Roderick, you're tuned in. You've been commenting this one for a while. I'm done. He scored 16 yard. You know, he had a rushing touchdown. He had 16 yards though through the air. And it, it's very clear. Daniel Jones just, he isn't it. And if he is, it's not going to be with Jason Garrett calling plays. Far too conservative, not taking any shots, not maximizing the, the speed game changing seam busting guy. Ingram could be. Oh, man, if you gave this guy to fucking Patriots, I, you know Belichick would use him to perfection. His snaps are going down 95%, 84%, now 80%. And the Cowboys had given up just dominant performances to tight ends for three straight weeks. And we get one measly touchdown. That, that saved face a little bit. He had one called back too. But this you, you can't have him starting at this point. And if you can't have him starting... Do you really need to hang on to him? Depends on how competitive your league is, but there are plenty of situations that I would cut Evan Ingram for. Man, he's frustrating. As are the Colts tight ends. Mo Cox. It was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Fun? <laughs> yes. Freak player. Freak build. Freak leaping ability. Freak speed for his size. Doesn't matter. We just can't have fun things. Fantasy owners. I love how uh, Roto World wrote that on their blurb. Fantasy managers just can't have nice things. Totally agree. Because he's back to the bottom, folks. Fewest snaps of the three tight ends this week. Fewest targets of the tight ends. Thrown to once, didn't catch it. Complete goose egg. 
Meanwhile, Trey Burton returns second most targets on the team with his six, five catches, 33 yards, nothing crazy. But clearly the distant third now is Mo Alleycox. Jack Doyle saw three targets over him. So, I mean, and 32 routes to Mo, Mo Alleycox is 18. Like, does it make sense to me? No. One of one of these guys, one of these three seems like a mismatch nightmare that could legitimately blossom if you used him. But bah, who am I to, to tell you how, how these talents should be used? So he he was another faller, in my opinion. Um, and last but not least, just the 49ers offense as a whole. Jimmy Garoppolo, 7 for 17, 77 yards and two picks against <laughs> – Miami. I can't even like say that without laughing. What? Bethard, nine for 18, 94 in a TD, I guess a little better. But the only offensive player on that team that was worth a damn was Raheem Mostert coming back from an injury. Brandon Ayuk, three for 44, lead the team in receiving. I, I love Ayuk. I, I think the guy's a amazing player. Freakish athleticism. Kittle, four forty-four. Born two for 30, gets the one of the touchdowns. Debo Samuel, eight targets, turns it into two catches and 19 yards. Thanks, McKinnon, for your two catches and five yards, you bag of shit. I mean, this offense was a joke against one of the worst defenses in the league. I I do think there's a a turning point for them. I I would kind of throw out some offers, maybe Kittle will buy low. If he gets cut, look for him. Maybe Debo turns it around again. The targets were there, but... It was clear Garoppolo probably wasn't at 100. He, he certainly didn't have the mental like, 100 down. He wasn't ready. He was scared. He was tentative all day. There's too much talent, and Kyle Shanahan's too good of a mind for me to think this continues the rest of the season. I think we just got to uh, – but what, what's going to turn it around? Mullins. I mean, maybe Mullins is the answer, guys. But that, that was very, very disappointing to see for sure. All right, you guys, last quick segment here is the waiver wires and then your questions the rest of the way. I see I got 10 of them in here. We'll be sure to answer them all. But let's highlight uh, these these Raiders. I guess in terms of followers too, just a couple quick other ones. Um, Dalton Schultz, you know, we talked about the all-Cowboys fall a bit with Dalton, but Schultz, you know, didn't see a single target. So that's just of note. And then Daniel Jones, like no need to own this guy anymore. He had his matchup against the worst defense in the league, the Cowboys, and puts up 222 scoreless yards. Just a joke. No need to own that guy. You're below, like, fucking Derek Carr at this point. That's all you need to know. But let's talk about waiver wires, guys. Um, oh, the one other one, too. I guess I missed a couple banners here. Tyler Higby. Oh, man. The second easiest matchup to tight ends against Washington. Two targets. Hauls and two of them for 12 yards. Meanwhile, Gerald Everett, 90 yards, leads the team on four catches of all four of his targets. Out targets, out produces, you know, 2.88 yards per out run compared to Higby's 1.96. Largely because Everett's a freak athlete that's great after the catch, but now it's looking like he is the guy over Higby potentially. So Higby's a, a cut candidate in shallower leagues, no doubt about it. Um, we'll have a, an occasional two touchdown outburst maybe, but he's had one good game so far out of five. How could you keep rolling him out? Nope. Not if you can't do it against Washington, who's gotten beat by every single team by the tight end. Nope. Let's talk about these waiver wire folks and then go enjoy some Monday night football. Uh, we talked about Chase Claypool, 
110 yards, three scores, including a rushing one, 16% owned. I would be doing anything I can to get him. 50%, 60 This was not a fluke. Steelers know their wide receiver talent. This guy is a just monster. Speed, size, after the catch, everything. And they're clearly scheming him the volume. And if Deontay's injury lingers, that much more. Plus, it, Juju, what, 26 yards in Deontay's absence? And Claypool might be their number one. Legitimately, he's got the size and the speed and the, the you know, everything to be a prototypical number one. Is he already it? Might be. Like I said, Martavis Bryant without the baggage. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How are we? This is a guy like DK Metcalf, right? Like, good quarterback that throws to his big bodies. Why are we overthinking this? Claypool's a beast. Speaking of Metcalf, 11 targets. Good Lord. Number, what I can't name four receivers I'd rather own than him in fantasy for DK Metcalf. Uh, we already also talked about Alex Madison. If you lost Dalvin Cook and he's out there, blow it. You, you need your insurance policy for Dalvin Cook. And if not, blow it and you need a running back like Atlanta coming up. It, it seems to be a very good bet that Dalvin Cook will at least sit that one, get to the bye, and then we see if Madison gets any more starts from there. But at least you're getting a stream against Atlanta. That that is, in itself is worth $30 on the waiver wire because you're getting 25 points at least. So love to blow it on Madison. We talked about Chenault as well. With or without Chark banged up, Chenault, seven catches, 79 yards, eight targets. Gruden continues to say week in, week out, we need more touches, more touches, more touches for this guy. Get him more touches. They, that's what they're doing. And all he's doing is is rising up to the game. He's right now, Chenault is a top 25 wide receiver in fantasy so far. Claypool's number 20, largely due to that huge outburst here. Uh, but Chenault, anywhere he's out there, 34% right now owned. Gotta go get him. And who's this Fulgham guy? <laughs> no clue. Our guy Dane, Chase Market Gaines, wrote an awesome piece on him, though. So check out the rotorstreetjournal.com slash stockwatch. Travis Fulgen, 10 catches on 13 targets, 152 and a score. This guy's done nothing in his career other than bounce around teams, right? So that's that that honestly gives people pause. You know, August 9th, Lions, August 10th, Packers, 19th, Packers, uh, he's waived. August 20th, the Eagles. Last week, catches a game-winning TD against the 49ers. This week, blows up. And as Dane asked, you know, is this a fluke? Well, he looks at the workout metrics from player profiler, and other than his speed score, four five eight, not great for his size. But other than that, he's in the top half, of the top percentiles. You know, 50, 65th for his speed score or uh, his burst. His catch radius, the big thing here, eighty third percentile for his catch radius, and we're seeing that. That it's one of those things that, like see metrics and be like, okay, cool. But then when you see them play out on the field, well, this guy's making leaping grabs over people. It, Wentz has those accuracy issues. That's why he's loving Fulgham because all you got to do is just chuck it up to him and he's dominating. So it, it's tricky because wide receivers, like one of those positions where you, you might have somebody already. It's easy to find wide receivers compared to the other positions, but Fulgham, who knows if this continues when Alshon and Ryger and DJX are back. That's what makes it risky to go blow all your load on Fulgham. But I don't think a guy that will just go from like 13 targets and 10 catches and being your offensive engine against the Steelers, no less, too. Let's keep this in mind. One of the better defenses, right? 
to then just disappearing. So I think Fulgham is going to have a very real, like, number two role at minimum here and be a viable flex the rest of the year. So you 10 bucks, 15 if you really need a wide receiver. Don't hate it at all, um, like, like what I'm seeing from, from Fulgham for sure. Ryan Fitzmagic, 21% owned, goes 350 and three scores. He'd be the quarterback I go to first, even over Dalton. He now has 25 points in, I think, four straight games outside of week one. And then dating back to last year, is as I said last week, and it just keeps going because he keeps adding 25-point performances. QB won in 10 of his last 15 games, over 20, 22 points in all of those. Fitzmagic is scary as it is to ever roll him out. Like, he's just gets it done. The dude is, whether it's he, like, kind of understands he's on his last little hurrah here as a starter, he's he's not giving it up, and the team clearly loves him. I don't think this is a situation where, like, unless he really shits himself, he just gets benched mid-game and ruins your week. They might make that decision ahead of time if he really crafts himself, but I can't see them sending him packing in the middle of the game. That's when he'd kill you. Um, but man, he, he is just getting it done. And also rugs, you know, cutting a lot of leagues coming into this week, 118 and a TD. Clearly yeah, the separation was there. Um, the guy's still obviously at the speed we already knew. Now let's see him see if he can develop into that better, you know, wide receiver one upside, the, the full skill set, contested balls, all that good stuff we know he has. And then last but not least, we mentioned Dalton right at the top, but if Fitzmagic's gone, Derek Carr, also an intriguing option season long. But if those guys are gone, you don't get much better than Amari Cooper, um, Michael Gallup, and, of course, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, whatever. But Zeke Elliott, too. I mean, this offense, with or without Dak, you know, Dak obviously was the lifeblood of it. It's not going to be as dangerous and as good without Dak. I mean, how could you? They were insane. Led the NFL in pace, 19 seconds per play, you know, five seconds faster than the next closest team 422 and a half passing yards per game nfl record pace right there we're not getting that 1907 yards 236 attempts both top 32.6 points per game not going to happen with dalton but can dalton put up 25 28 in the right matchups 111 yards 9 of 11 you know makes the game winning throw to Gallup. I think with these weapons and this bad of a defense, and especially with Kellen Moore endorsing him and saying, you know, we're going to be as aggressive as we ever have been, I think Dalton could be worth a decent look on your waivers. All righty, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I, of course, am the Wolf of Roto Street at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter of the RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. If you listen to the podcast, thanks so much. The fantasy fullback dive. We paved your path through 2020 titles. We'll be back live tomorrow, Tuesday at around 5 p.m. Eastern time with your live ranking show. Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time with your fantasy fullback dive live broadcast. Thursday, your tailgate, your updated ranking show, your sit starts for Thursday night football, and then your weekends at 11 a.m. Saturday, Sunday for DFS and sit starts. That's when you can find me. You can, of course, interact with me at Rotor Street Wolf, but I promise and guarantee answers if you come to any of our broadcasts. That's the way you can make sure to get me. All righty, guys. Best of luck if you need anything tonight or tomorrow with this crazy-ass season. I hope you get everything you need. Um, let's get that Week 5 win wrapped up and, and on to Week 6, baby. Let's keep it going, Wolfpack. See you next time. 
We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin, second down, third effort, touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. <laughs> 